Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's better than this? It's guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes podcast. This is your host, co-host, Kyle Krabs. Not Joe Marino with the grumbly intro today, but I do not care. I am joined by Chris Schubert for this Tuesday edition of Draft Dudes. On Tuesday, November 23rd, we are looking at the rookie report card, not just for Week 11, although we do have some nice things to say about Chris's wide receiver, Elijah Moore. He had himself a nice weekend this past weekend. Uh, But we're going to be looking at the past month of rookie play in the NFL across several positions and talking about what storylines we've seen uh, through effectively this, we want to call it the second half of the season that's been played out to this point in time. If you were going to call weeks one through five or one through six, uh, the first half, so week seven through this point in time, an overview of rookie play in the NFL. Chris, good morrow. How are we? Doing well. You did the grumbly intro, which is certainly, you know, it it wouldn't have been the betting favorite on this show. It does Kyle do the I grumbly intro at the beginning of I the show. It would have been the underdog, and you could have won some money on that bet if you head over to our friends betonline.ag. You can put some wagers in three Thursday night games, three three Thanksgiving Day games for you on Can't Thursday. Wait. I mean, it's just amazing. Football's on all day. Head on over to BetOnline.ag. Use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V. And you will receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. And they got pro football, college football, NHL, boxing, UFC, even your favorite Vegas casino games are all available to you over at BetOnline.ag. Again, promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for 50% off. All right, Kyle, you have shared your screen with me. I can see where we're starting. We are starting with the quarterback position through week seven through 11 there's an interesting name at number one that we probably need to talk about well no i mean it's not really interesting if you've been paying attention to the nfl at all you know that mac jones the quarterback of the new england patriots and uh, that team is on a heater Uh, as far as team success mac is playing complimentary football Uh, he's no longer playing the extreme version of dink and dunk that we saw in the first three, four weeks of the season. You know, they have opened up the playbook a little bit. He's got a little bit of confidence underneath of him. I think that's the word that comes to mind is Mac is comfortable with what he's being asked to do. And I think you see that in the efficiency that he is uh, showcasing. You know, he's, he's only really been sacked a handful of times. Uh, He's getting rid of the ball very quickly. His, His snap to release is under two and a half seconds. Um, passer rating at 102.6 over the same stretch of time with an average distance of target of 7.5 yards. Uh, He's playing good football and and it's not, they're not asking him to do anything superhuman, but this is the luxury of going to a place that has the offensive line in the running game. It's the same storyline we've kind of talked about on this show, in my opinion. So I want to compare two of these quarterbacks here because a lot have been made. We've mentioned it on this show when talking about Mac, about Mac Jones throughout the year about, mm-hmm. man, the dink and dunk, the average depth of target. It's just not there. He's just going three, four yards. He's checking down. So you just read that over the last five weeks or so, 
his average depth of target has been seven and a half yards, correct? That's what that number says on that screen right there? Yes, yes. Trevor Lawrence has the same average depth of target in the same time span as Mac Jones. So to just compare the criticisms that we've levied against Mac Jones, you've got the number one overall pick in Jacksonville in an offense that just has not been very good. Well, Jacksonville, I mean, his yards per – the output for Trevor is woefully bad. He's he's attempted two more passes in one less game over five weeks. Jacksonville's played four games. New England has played five. Trevor's attempted 140 attempts on 157 dropbacks. Mac, 138 attempts on 153 dropbacks. And uh, Trevor Lawrence completing 56% of his passes, 4.8 yards per attempt. His average depth of target is the same, as you mentioned. And it's just kind of, for me, like, Jacksonville is in total disarray. Their coaches are in over their skis, and we we knew this, right? And I think I saw the stat. I think it was from Joe Fan. And Joe used to do work um, for both San Francisco and Seattle, and he's now kind of more national. And I think he works for Blue Wire for for podcasting. He's a great, great guy. Uh, I think I saw the stat that Trevor has thrown for 250 yards uh, only three times this season in a single game and none in his last four games. And when you think about what Jacksonville has had to face to try to stay competitive, the fact that they are not getting volume production from Trevor is very, very concerning. And it's this is the worry that, that we had coming in is, are there going to be long-term ramifications if this environment sustains itself? What bad habits is Trevor Lawrence going to develop out of necessity and trying to survive? And how long can those cling? And obviously we won't know that answer in, until in due time. Um, but this is, this is the risk that you take if you're drafting a quarterback and willing to play him and you don't have an environment around him that, that is going to be conducive for or quarterback friendly. So one other quarterback that I think is worth noting here of the first round guys, uh, Zach Wilson only played one game in this stretch. Trey Lance hasn't played. Uh, so you just have Justin Fields as the last guy mm-hmm. to talk about. And he's obviously mm-hmm. not going to play this Thursday. He's now banged up with the injury. I I, I think the only real game that, that I circle in this stretch, and I'm trying to remember all of the games that were in this in this time period, but the game that he played against Pittsburgh – in which he led them down the field on a drive to give them the lead yeah. in that game. That's really yeah. where I think the conversation changed in this time frame for Justin Fields. He had the big run in a, in a home game. I forget who it was San on Francisco. a fourth down play. He had that big San run Francisco. play. That was his big, okay, here I am, here's a big play. But I think that performance in the fourth quarter against Pittsburgh on Monday Night Football is the other big takeaway from this stretch. And again, he's second, I think, in in um, PFF grade here Uh it, during this stretch, so he's playing pretty well, uh, and and so I, I've been impressed with him over the last couple of weeks. It's unfortunate that he's now banged up. That's a product of this offensive line just being not being very good, and this being a poorly constructed team. But Justin Fields certainly giving you optimism for the future. Yeah, no, so Justin ninety nine pass attempts over this stretch of time. Average time to throw is three seconds on the dot. This is the. Uh, and he's been sacked more than any of the other rookie quarterbacks over the last month. And this is the risk that comes with. Having an athlete at the quarterback position who wants to make big plays and an average depth of target is it's over 11 yards downfield. So this is an offense that has tried to cater and create some shot plays and intermediate. And it's, they just don't have the horses up front to make this thing work. 
And that's the worry for the rest of this season. And hopefully, you know, him taking a little bit of time away uh, to get his, his ribs healthy. He can come back rejuvenated out of that. They can figure out, and there's a report out this morning that Nagy's going to be done after this week's game on Thursday. So we'll see if that materializes or not. But uh, I have a feeling the next time we see Justin Fields, there's going to be some kind of a shakeup uh, for the Chicago Bears and and what that could potentially benefit for him uh, remains to be seen. But that's what I'm looking forward to in the next five weeks. Can Can I call a live audible with you here on the show? Yes, of course. You know what I think we do? Our friend Joe's not here today. Why don't we focus on the offensive players, and then on tomorrow's show with Joe back in the fold, we can do the defensive players. How about that? Mm. You like that? I like. So this. we can we can, like we can do a little bit yeah. of a deeper dive into these players. I know there's a you know a lot of people like oh you know you, you go through these positions very quickly. We understand. So how about we go a little bit of a deeper dive, especially because I'm looking at like five running backs I want to talk about. That was that was the big reason why I wanted to maybe go a little bit long. There's a bunch of names here, Kyle. Uh, Najee Harris has played extremely well all year. Michael Carter over this stretch has been extremely good. Ramondre Stevenson has emerged there in New England. I mean, there's just a lot. Javante Williams in Denver. I mean, there's just so many names to talk about. Yeah, so uh, the only back out of the – the only two backs out of the top ten graded or or as far as the most rushing yards that they have produced, I should say, over the last five weeks. Uh, Michael Carter has played in five games. Chuba Hubbard for Carolina – Obviously, Christian McCaffrey is back, so that changes the dynamics for his production. Those are the only two guys in the top 10 in rushing yards produced over the last five weeks who have played in five games. Everybody else is four. Um, Elijah Mitchell's the one that's most interesting to me because he was the second back that San Francisco drafted in this year's class, and it was him plus Aaron Banks in the second round plus Trey Lance plus Trey Sermon and and these guys are inside zone guys and and Banks is a power blocker and Trey Lance with his ability to run downhill and it's like oh okay like I think San Francisco is going to have a little bit of a different area of focus for running the football and turns out it really doesn't matter what the area of focus is like this system works (laughs) you're seeing that Uh, Mitchell missed this past weekend with a finger injury that he reportedly injured in the second quarter of the game that they had played previously. And he just didn't tell anybody. He's like, nah, I'm going to keep playing. So he kept playing and then he had finger surgery and he's day to day as, as uh, Kyle Shanahan reported uh, this morning, uh, Elijah Mitchell day to day, but 371 rushing yards, 5.2 yards per carry. He is very, very physical. Uh, he is doing a great job after contact uh, his yards, uh, after contact per attempt is 4.39, uh, which is really, really impressive uh, when you consider Najee Harris uh, is averaging just 3.2 yards per carry in total right now and, over and that I, same stretch of time. And to your point, look at the the breakdown of uh, the run type for Elijah Mitchell, zone versus gap. He has 71 attempts over this four-game stretch that he's had. 47 of them are, are a zone run type. So that just shows you we talk about this system. They got Debo Samuel back there running the ball right now. I know he's not part of the, the, the rookie report guard, but they're just they're, they're doing it with My everybody. Fantasy team loves to oh, see are, it. Yeah, it's a very appreciative. Um, yeah. Do you want to talk about Najee Harris now? Yeah, let's. I mean, let's talk about Najee because his uh, his workload. Nobody has carried the ball more than he has. Uh, Eighty-seven attempts over his last four games played, and that's about on average for him. 
Uh, and the vast majority of his work is coming uh, after contact. Uh, his, he's averaging 3.2 yards per, per con, or yards per run, and 2.56 of them are coming after contact. Uh, so not a lot of room to run. We knew this was going to be the case. Uh, it's a testament to Najee that he's staying productive from a cumulative standpoint, and his ability to get involved in the passing game obviously helps. Um, but I think you, you're always going to have a little bit of a misperception about how efficient he is as a ball carrier and an offensive weapon because people who play fantasy football are always going to say, well, Najee's one of the – the top scoring backs in fantasy football, right? And it's like, of course he is, because he's touching the ball 26 times a game. But right. um, he's so important to their passing offense too. He like because Ben's not yes. really throwing the ball deep down the field. Najee in the short passing game, the checkdown passing game, is just he's just a huge threat in in there. So from a fantasy perspective, if you're playing half PPR, or full PPR, you're seeing those points just gobbling, and so you're like, oh, of course Najee's good. But again, it, you know, it, when you when you actually look at it, it, it it's it's a volume thing over a pure he's just breaking off these big runs thing. He averages almost four catches per game over the last five weeks, uh, 15 receptions, which is second to only Michael Carter, uh, whose targets King. are nearly nearly double what Najee Harris's are. And obviously, uh, Carter making the most of his opportunities. He, he has a was a great two ankle sprain, Michael Carter. Yeah, he's going to be out for the next couple of weeks, which is unfortunate because he was kind of just peaking right now over the last three weeks in, in a jet jersey. But yeah, he's going to miss the next couple of weeks. We, we have a bet, do we not? We have a bet. You're saying you and uh, I Michael have a bet? Car- do we not have a Michael Carter rushing yardage bet? Um, if we do, I don't have it in the tracker. But I do have one bet that I don't have filled in from a date. So maybe that's the one. Maybe I have to go back and find this one. Hmm. I would, so that- I would rather be wrong than to see Michael Carter get hurt and miss time. Yeah, that because I concur he's, with that statement. Yes. He's he's very fun. He's very fun player and he's making the most of the opportunities that he has. Uh and you have to feel like he's going to continue to uh take more of that share as he's healthy uh, because mm-hmm. the other options are Kevin Coleman, Ty Johnson. And Ty Johnson, who's a fun little player too, but he's cut from the same cloth as Michael Carter, and Carter's a better player, so he should be taking those reps. Yeah, Michael Carter really has – I mean, we talked about with this with Elijah Mitchell, and the, the Jets' offense is molded very similarly to the way San Francisco likes to do things. He has been just that – he just they, they slowly over the course of these last like five weeks or so they've slowly increased his workload and he's been huge coming out of the backfield especially with all of the quarterback changes Mike White Joe Flacco uh, Zach Wilson I mean he's just been been so important over the course uh, of this quarterback change and so hopefully if Zach is back this week uh, against Houston Zach can start getting a flow into this offense so once Michael Carter comes back maybe those last three weeks of the season or so we can see Zach and Michael Carter really really hook up you've pulled up the wide receivers. You've pulled yes. up the wide receivers, and there's I a have. king up at the top of the list. Elijah Moore. Elijah uh, Moore. Is, well, let's be fair. This is over a five-game sample size, and I think he got half of these receiving yards against Miami this past weekend. So, so what have you done for me lately, <laughs> league, Kyle? Okay. <laughs> he has 349 receiving yards over the last five games since week seven. And I think he had a 162 and a touchdown, 168 and a touchdown. Sounds Dolphins. about right to me. Yes, yes. So, like, literally half of his reduction came this weekend. But um, 
kudos because at the end of the day, you still got to get it done. And Jamar Chase is kind of the inverse of that, right? Or if you look at what Jamar Chase did in the first five, six weeks of the season and what he's done since, you know, Jamar Chase still, he's fourth in rookie receiving since week seven. Uh, he's behind Elijah Moore, Jalen Waddle, and Devontae Smith, uh, 314 yards. So there was a hot second there where Jamar Chase was on pace for like 1,900 receiving yards, and we were all losing our minds like, oh, my God, like this dude, after all the the pandemonium in the preseason about the drops, he's going to turn around and post a season like this. And let's, uh, like, let's not get it twisted. Jamar Chase, he's still going to have a very, 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 very productive rookie season but his pace has cooled a little bit as evidenced by uh, smith waddle and more have more receiving output him, than him over the last five weeks although to be fair to jamar as well he's played one last game than those other guys i think the other important thing to note here kyle is rashad bateman being number five right behind jamar chase on yes. this list he had been injured at the start of the season and he has really started to come into his own here over the last couple of weeks uh 241 receiving yards over the course of this last uh, four game stretch and i think rondell moore being at six i think it's important to note that a good portion of those games have come without kyler murray and that's just, that it's such a huge part of what they do offensively to have kyler murray involved in everything that rondell moore rondell moore had a game this past Sunday, Kyle, he had 11 targets. He caught 11 passes for 51 receiving yards. That is a stat line that occurred in an NFL game for Rondell Moore. Well, that sounds a lot like his usage at Purdue. So, that <laughs> last year at Purdue, it was literally, I think his average yards per catch was like seven yards because it was just like, get him well, the ball, let's hope he can make something happen worse. Well, that's what happens with Colt McCoy's the quarterback, too, is that there's not a lot of, right. there's not a lot of opportunity for Kyler to scramble around and Rondell to make a, you know, move down the field and make a big play. Hey, listen, is there a more disappointing twist in the last five weeks than Kadarius Tony? I would I, try to find a Seven, pun that I can make here, but no, no. 75 receiving yards, 6.3 yards per catch over the last five weeks. He, he looked good early on. He did. And then he had, what was it, an ankle? Yes, he had an ankle injury, and then he missed, what, two games? Yeah. But but Kyle, this just goes back to that. I just I don't I don't think this offense is very good. Daniel Jones is not it. The coaching staff's not it. Is not really good. We know that. I mean, we. It's like how many times do we need to see Jason Garrett, a uh, Jason Garrett offense, right? And granted, uh, everybody probably saw the Dan Orlovsky clip that he posted where they tried to run mesh and nobody ran the sit route over top of the ball, and two guys on the same side tried to run the the cross. And you had three guys kind of in this amoeba blob in the middle of the field with nobody else around him. And it's very clearly somebody ran the wrong route. And it's like, yes, okay, like that's a, a great example of bad coaching and players not knowing the plays or not knowing what route they're supposed to run and so on and so forth. But like, I don't Your expectations for production for Tony have to be a little higher. Took him in the first round. I'm not look saying at, it's all his. Right, right. Look at what the other first-round receivers have done. Look at what Jalen Waddle's done. Look at what Devonta Smith's done. Look at what Jamar Chase has done. Right. I mean, like, and again, I'm not. I, it's unfair to compare the situations that those players are in. Are all different. They're on four different teams, four different quarterbacks, four different coaching staffs. I get it. But those three rookies have been able to find success. I I, I don't well, understand what's. 
Jalen Waddle is in a not very efficient offense. You know, a lot of the same issues that you see in New York fix the offensive line. We don't know if the quarterback's it. Guys are running the wrong routes. Guys don't know where to line up. Like, all that shit's happening in Miami, too. And, like, I think that maybe that's maybe that's why my perception of seeing Kadarius Tony in his production over the last five weeks, and he's played in three games, it's like, man, like, there was a whole value proposition here, right? Yep. Where yep. it's like we traded out of this spot and picked up an extra first-round pick, and we feel like we're getting a comparable player to those guys that win earlier. And right now, at the very least, Kadarius Tony is not making um, – a lot happened with the opportunities that he's been afforded over the last five weeks. Well, and to, to your point about, you know, Miami, I think Jalen Hurts has played better than people have anticipated this year, but it's not like Philly is this juggernaut offensively. I mean, a lot of what they do offensively is because Jalen Hurts is able to run around and make plays. So Devonta mm-hmm. Smith being being as good as he is, like, again, you if you're talented, your talent's going to shine through. And I just don't know what it is in New York that is stopping. They're just a mess all across the board. But it is it is extremely disappointing to not have a, a bigger year from, from Kadarius Toney. So, and just as a point of reference here, um, Kadarius Toney is taking 65% of his snaps from the slot. Um, only 30% of his snaps out wide. So you should theoretically have room to work. Uh, as a contrast to that, Jalen Waddle, um, 51% of his reps are coming from the slot. So he's being moved around a little bit more. Uh, Devontae Smith, uh, he's up, up around like 85%. Jamar Chase, 88% on the perimeter. So that's your expectation is, you know. And they're winning guys, out there. They're w- and both right. those guys are winning out there. Right. Right. So I think that uh, that's a, a bit of film that I'm looking forward to dipping into to kind of take a look at and see, OK, what's the difference with what's happening with Tony and really assessing his situation? Uh, I want to talk as, about the tight end position, Kyle, but I don't want to talk about yes. Kyle Pitts. We start this conversation talking about Pat Fryermuth. Big Pat. Four touchdowns in four He's in been last really good. four games. He has been really good. 129 receiving yards, uh, 7.2 yards per catch. He's been targeted 27 times, 18 receptions. So he has one less reception over the last five weeks than Kyle Pitts does. Now, Pitts is averaging exponentially more yards per reception, and that comes down to their style of play and their usage and their necessity as part of the offense. And also – Big Ben can't throw the ball down the field. Playing in Pittsburgh. Yeah, you said it, not me. So, but uh, Pat in the red zone has been really, really good. Really good. What what I find so much fun about this conversation is these were the top two tight ends going into last year's draft cycle. It was Pitts one, Firemuth two. And I think both, listen, we we could do a whole podcast on what has gone on in Atlanta with Kyle Pitts and his usage and the way that this offense has just completely just been a disaster all year. But what has been so fun to see is, Pittsburgh knows what they are right now. They know what Big Ben can and cannot do. And Firemuth fits so much of what Big Ben can do. Can. And he's yes. and he has thrived so much in that role. I mean, he was the big he was a big part of the tie against Detroit. He caught a couple of big passes. He didn't have a big fumble that stopped them from being able to kick a field goal, but he caught some big passes in that game to keep drives alive. He just fits what they want to do. And I think if they're able to Make a change at the quarterback position next next year and and bring in somebody that's a little more athletic, that can move the ball down the field, can push the ball down the field a little bit more. I think Fryermuth's role is going to expand and he's going to be so much better uh in Pittsburgh moving forward. So, Chris, you mentioned yes. Kyle Pitts and I did. obviously he 
played for the University of Florida, and last year we saw him in the SEC championship game, and oh. uh, now he plays hmm. in Atlanta with the Falcons. Uh, so is there any parallels there uh, wow. that, that are that require any pertinent information for the listeners of draft well, well, I do think it's important. You, you did mention that Kyle Pitts went, went to Florida, that, that SEC, and Atlanta, he, he plays in a stadium right now, and that stadium, I believe, is going to host the SEC championship game. And correct me if I'm yes. wrong, Kyle, but – you're going to be at the SEC Championship game because TDN, Draft Dudes, Bud Light Seltzer, SEC Championship game, December 4th. That's right. TDN, Bud Light Seltzer, Draft Dudes. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. Draft Dudes take Atlanta. Kyle and Joe, the TDN crew, will be down in Atlanta for the SEC, champ- SEC Championship game on December 4th. Just come on out, hang out with the guys. They'll be tailgating, playing games, giving away stuff. Bud Light Seltzer will be there. Uh, it will be a good time. There are rumors. I've talked about this before. There are rumors of a special guest DJ spot by one member of the Draft Dude show. Again, just rumors at this point. Can't necessarily confirm that. The CSX parking lot right across the street from the stadium is where you are going to be able to find TDN Bud Light Seltzer, the draft dudes hanging out, having a good time before the SEC championship game. Well, it would only feel it would feel dirty for us to do offensive linemen without Joe. And obviously we we said we were going to do offense today. Yeah, but I can but I, I can like see the message in the back end of you all. You guys did offensive line without me. I can just I can feel it. Yeah. So I don't I don't want to get guilt tripped by that. So yeah. I think that's going to do it for us here on today's episode of the show. Uh, We appreciate everybody tuning in and listening to a little big picture uh, rookie snapshot, rookie play across the NFL with Chris Schubert, Kyle Krabs, the Draft Dudes podcast. We hope you guys enjoyed. We hope you guys come back and see us again. So make sure you hit subscribe to the podcast, follow along, and plan accordingly with what your plans are for championship weekend in college football. We hope to see you there. Thanks, as always, for listening to Draft Dudes. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.